Yeah, as a, as a farmer, or I should say as a farmer's husband, <laughs> um, you know, this week watching what's happening in Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Hope, the surrounding area, it's, it's just devastating. It's just devastating to see, in some cases, hundreds and thousands of livestock being abandoned. It's just, it's unprecedented and it's something that, it should grip us, you know? It should grip us. It should grip us more than them running out of steak at Savon. <laughs> it should grip us more than we can't quite find enough toilet paper or something. Like, it should really grip us to our core. So I'd encourage you to be praying for those in the Sumas Prairie, and also pray that not ongoing damage would occur um, this week. Well, today I want to talk about um, a message called the Oil of Galilee. The Oil of Galilee. When we endure seasons of difficulty, discouragement, and disillusionment, when we endure these kind of seasons, there's an internal crushing that happens. An internal crushing, a surrender, something happens within us that our will and our emotions and our thoughts and our perspective changes. And as we go through these seasons, these difficult seasons, we're in one still. We're still in a difficult season of COVID. And as we go through these seasons, there is an internal crushing that happens and a surrender that happens. And this morning, I want to look at three instances in the life of Jesus, and there are three G's, so you'll remember them, that Jesus goes through Gethsemane, and there is a crushing that happens in Gethsemane. And Jesus goes to Golgotha, and there is a surrendering that happens on Golgotha. And Jesus comes back to Galilee, the place where the church would be born, the place where the church would be launched. But it's through these three places that we're going to have our message this morning. And so first, Gethsemane is a crushing of the will. Gethsemane is a crushing of the will. And Golgotha is a surrender of our thoughts and our feelings. And Galilee is a release into our destiny. A release into our destiny. But the road to Galilee is through Gethsemane. It's through Golgotha. God has a purpose and a destiny for all of us. The oil found in Galilee was crushed in Gethsemane. The oil of our destiny, our purpose, the reason we exist, the calling on our life is found, produced, a result of crushing. 
We're going to watch a quick three-minute video on the process of olives being crushed in ancient times. And so we're going to take a little trip over to Israel right now, and we're going to watch this quick video, and rest assured, it will make sense when we come back together. Let's play that video now. Hello, my name is Majd, and I'm one of the guides at Nazareth Village. We are standing in our fully functioning replica of a first century olive press. We are entering the rainy season at the moment, uh, November and December, and this is the olive season, so our villagers already started harvesting the olives off of the trees, and we bring them in here in order to press them. Uh, of course, olives are hard. You cannot just press them right away. Uh, the first thing you do in the process is crushing them. And that's why we use this big stone over here. Uh, Mosey the donkey is helping us move the stone around. And this stone will crush the olives and the pits. Everything needs to be crushed so finely until it turns into paste. And then it's ready for the next uh, stage of pressing. The crushed olives then are placed in baskets like the one you see over here. We're hanging it on the wall. But of course you lay it flat. And then there are pockets to the sides where you put the crushed olives preparation for uh, the, the actual pressing process. And then you take about 10, 15 baskets to press them together at the press. Now the baskets are brought over here and stacked on top of each other. Underneath them, there's a hole in the ground that is about two feet deep and it gets also a bit wider as it goes in. So as you press the baskets over here, oil is gonna gather underneath. The beam of wood sits on top of the baskets, applying its weight as pressure. And then the three weights, the stone weights, are lifted using pulleys and leverage uh, in order to apply more pressure on top of the baskets. Each group of baskets gets pressed three times. The first time you apply pressure, you get the best quality oil. And according to the Jewish law, the first of your fruits you offer to God. So the oil from the first pressing, they will not use at home. They will take it to the temple in Jerusalem. The second time they applied pressure, they got good quality oil, and it was used for food, medicine, perfume, and cosmetics. By the time they got to the third pressing, though, the quality of the oil was really bad, uh, and they would use it for oil lamps and making soap. The olive press has a very strong connection with Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane comes from two Hebrew words, Gat Shmanim, and they literally mean press of oils. And the olive press is a great illustration of the pressure that Jesus was under as he was praying in Gethsemane, to the point he even started sweating blood. And he prayed three times, an equal number to the pressings. And even Isaiah 53 says he was crushed for our iniquities. As I was watching that, there was a, a phrase in there that, that really caught me which was even before the olives are pressed, they have to be crushed so fine that they become like paste. Jesus finds himself in Gethsemane. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 to 36. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, or as he said, Gethsemane, the olive press. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. 
And he took with him Peter and James and John, the three musketeers, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. The olive press. The place that oil is produced, this crushing, that that there is Jesus in Gethsemane and he is being crushed into a paste. I mean, under the pressure that as he is praying, he is crying drops of blood, the stress and the anguish of the world is upon him. And this is olive season. November and December are olive season. And here is Jesus asking Daddy, is there just another way? Is there some other way to to save the world, Daddy? Could you imagine? A son crying out to his father on his knees in anguish. Just, is there just another way, daddy? And there's father in heaven looking down on his son and the gripping anguish of the father. Knowing that there is no other way. And then there is this crushing of the will, as Jesus says, yet not what I will, but what you will. We all have moments of Gethsemane prayers, moments where we are at the point in intercession where it feels like a crushing. It feels like we are being pressed down in prayer. There is something beautiful produced in this sorrow unto death that Jesus goes through. You see, the death we find in sorrow, the death we find in this kind of intercession is a death to our will. It's a death to the way that we think things should be. It's a releasing of the way we we thought they would be. And it's this moment that we come to in prayer where we've been praying for situations to change and relationships to change and circumstances to change. This is the moment in prayer where you come to the point and you just are crushed and you say, God, Not what I will, not what I want, 
not what I desire, not what I feel, not, not, it's just, it's yours, Lord. And there's this sorrowful death to your will that comes in this season of crushing. But crushed olives produce oil. It says in Isaiah 53, and we heard him in the video, that Isaiah 53, verse 5, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That he is pierced and he is crushed for us. That he is crushed, he is punished for us, and we receive peace. That our peace is like oil. Our peace, our salvation, our peace with God is like oil that was produced through the crushing of Jesus in Gethsemane. The piercing of Jesus on Golgotha. Not only are we forgiven of our sins, not only was Jesus crushed and pierced for our sins, but he was crushed and he was pierced for our sickness. That the oil produced in Gethsemane and on Golgotha was for sin and for sickness. And so maybe you've been prayed over with oil. Maybe you have a special bottle of olive oil from Israel, you know, because it's holy if it's from Israel. And maybe it has a little bit of frankincense and myrrh in it, you know, and you just think this is the holiest of holy oil I can possibly find. And you bought it for $1,000 and it's like this big. The oil has no power. Your words have no power. Your hand has no power. But because the oil was produced through Jesus being crushed. When the oil of heaven is applied, there is forgiveness of sins. There is healing. James says, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Again, the oil is not powerful. Your hand is not powerful. Your words are not powerful. But because Jesus was crushed under the olive press, and because Jesus endured the cross, when you pray with faith and you anoint with oil and you pray to God for people, you become a conduit of healing power that flows through you. This isn't for pastors or apostles or prophets or 
evangelists only. It's not for people that travel around the world speaking. It's not for special super Christians. It's not for people that have read through the Bible a million times. It's not for people that have a degree in seminary or in some cases the cemetery. It's for those that that believe in Jesus Christ that he heals and they put that oil on their hand. They touch you. Be healed in Jesus' name. And you instantly become this conduit of healing that flows through you because of what Jesus did. The oil is symbolic. But what it symbolizes is powerful. You have permanent oil if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus. You have permanent oil on your hands because of what Jesus did. So Gethsemane is a, is a, a crushing of the will. A crushing of the will. Next we have Golgotha. The place that Jesus was forsaken. Forsaken. And we read this in Mark chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. That's the wrong reference. You're supposed to correct me. Come on, that's what you're here for. Wrong reference. So I'll read it to you. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness comes over the whole land. And Jesus is looking for the Father. Physically, darkness covers the land for three hours. But emotionally and spiritually and mentally, a son is searching for his daddy. Like, daddy, where are you? For the first time in Jesus' life, there's a distance, a strain, a darkness. We know theologically that God is omnipresent. We know mentally that Paul says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We, we know this rationally and we know this biblically. But here is Jesus, who is God, looking for his father. See, Golgotha 
is sacrificing what we think and what we feel. What we think and what we feel because your beliefs, your thoughts, your thoughts produce feelings, your feelings produce action, and your action produces results. Your thoughts produce feelings. Your feelings produce actions. So here in this instance, we have Jesus in his mind and in his feelings. He is distant from God and he cries out, where are you, Lord? Why have you forsaken me? And we go through this as well. We go through this where our feelings are not facts. I tell my kids this all the time. Your feelings are not facts. Your feelings are how you perceive a situation. Your feelings are how you are seeing the circumstance you are in. Feelings, though, are not facts. But the way you perceive facts. Let's take this room for example. Is some of us came this morning. Some of us during worship didn't expect much. Some of us during this sermon are checking out sports scores. You didn't come for transformation today. You, you came to check a box and to sit here and to take up space and then you're gonna go unchanged because what you came in with, your feelings about what was gonna happen this morning, your thoughts about what to expect this morning for yourself determined your actions. But some of you came in this morning, I think all of you came in this morning hungry for more of God. You intentionally got in the car this morning to come to be transformed in the renewing of your minds. And we need this transformation. Because as our minds are renewed, we feel differently. And when we feel differently, we act differently. And when we act differently, we get different results. So what we think about a situation will determine how we feel about the situation, which will determine how we act in said situation and that'll determine your results. I believe we have these Golgotha moments, like we have these Gethsemane moments, and these Golgotha moments are moments in the middle of the night, physically or metaphorically, moments in the middle of the night where you can't quite see, and you're in prayer, and you're stressed out and fearful, and there's a doctor's appointment coming up, there's a diagnosis that you just received, there's a, a loved one that is suffering, there's a strain on your relationship. There's difficulty in your marriage. There's a, a child that hasn't, isn't walking with God right now. There's people in Abbotsford underwater experiencing 
a Golgotha week. And it's in these moments, these moments that feel like a death of sorts, that we pray like Jesus in Luke 23, 46. Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. So it's in these moments where we can't see, we don't know what's going on, we don't have answers. It's this moment of committing our spirit into his hands. Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. I put my life into your hands. I put the results into your hands. I put this diagnosis into your hands. I put my children, Father, into your hands. I put my future, Father, into your hands. I put my job, my finances, my passion, I put it into your hands. This intentional commitment to him. And this morning, we, we intentionally pause and we just say, Father, what are those things that I need to commit to you? Father, what are those Golgotha moments that I need to commit to you? It requires an intentional pause, a quiet, allow him to show you and reveal to you what those might be. But the crushing in Gethsemane and the committing on Golgotha is not the end of the story. As we move through these kind of dark nights of the soul, we end up in Galilee. And we have, we have Jesus resurrected. Jesus has gone through Gethsemane and through Golgotha, and we have this resurrection where four women come to the tomb. Joanna and the three Marys, and they come to the tomb, and they're looking for Jesus, and they come to the tomb, and Mark 16, 7 says this, the angel says to them, but go. So they come to find, you know, pay their respects. They come for closure, <laughs> They come because this, in their minds, is the end of the story. And there's an angel there. And he says, go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. 
He is going before you to Galilee. That phrase just jarred me. He is going before you to Galilee. This is the oil that Jesus produced. This is the result. Jesus endured suffering through Gethsemane and Golgotha, but he is before you in Galilee. In other words, Jesus is already ahead of you. And Galilee is your destiny. Galilee is your purpose. Galilee is the result of the crushing. It's the result of the committing of yourself. It's the result of surrendering everything you are to God. He is before you in Galilee. Just when they might be questioning their destiny, he is before you. He's already there. And then it says this. There you will see him. Jesus didn't pop out of the tomb and just hang out. He launched out of the tomb for Galilee. And it's there, when you arrive at your place of purpose, when you arrive at your place of destiny, when you arrive at the, the final process of oil being produced, when you arrive at that place, he is already there. And there you will see him. Jesus had Galilee on his mind the entire time he endured. Galilee was a place of miracles. It was a place of Jesus' ministry, and it would become the place where the church is launched, the church is born. A powerful church would be born. And some of us this morning are looking for confirmation. God has told us to go. God has told you to go. God has already highlighted for you the, the destiny that he has for your life, the purpose that he has for your life. He has put passion in you. He's put a calling in you. And some of you are looking for confirmation. This is it. This is it. Step into your destiny. Let this Sunday be a moment where you are launched. Do you believe it? No one likes Gethsemane. No one likes Golgotha. It's a turn your head away kind of messiness of suffering that we almost can't stomach. But it's for a purpose. It's for your destiny. I've prayed this morning over you and for you that you would receive a special release in your destiny.
that you would be awakened to new things. That you would be released from the season of Gethsemane and Golgotha personally to step in to a place he has already prepared. You don't have to create that place. It's been prepared for you. You don't have to strive, fight, wrestle. This is a day where God is saying to you, Gethsemane has served its purpose. Golgotha has served its purpose. But step in to Galilee. Because the oil of Galilee was crushed in Gethsemane. Hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Doesn't say I walk to. It doesn't say that I live my, my, I move my family to the valley. It doesn't say I build my house in the valley. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And guess what? He has prepared a table right in the middle of your enemies. And someone said it this week. I'm not sure where I heard it, but the reason he puts the table in front of your enemies is so that your enemies can watch you eat with Jesus. He was crushed for my iniquities. He was also crushed for my destiny. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and perfecter of faith, the author and the finisher, the pioneer and the perfecter. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the pioneer because he initiates, but he is the perfecter because he consummates. He initiates. He is the author. But he also finishes. Only he knows the last page of your story. Father, I pray in Jesus' name 
as the worship team comes up, I want to pray for you now. And I just want you to open up your hearts and open up your, your hands and open up your spirit to the Lord right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for a release of destiny in this place, Lord, of purpose, of power, Lord, of understanding, of revelation, Lord, of, of truth, Lord, right now that people's spirits would just come alive, Lord, as you pour out this oil of destiny this morning, Lord. Yes, the, there was crushing, Lord. Yes, there was dark nights of the soul, Lord. But in this moment, this morning, Lord, would you pour it out upon people? Pour out a healing oil in this place, Lord. Online, at, in your home, wherever you're listening right now, just pour out a healing oil, Lord, upon people right now. We pray and declare with faith, Lord, that as we extend our hearts and our hands toward, there would be a release, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name. You are the author and the finisher. You are the pioneer and the perfecter. You always finish what you started. And Jesus, we thank you for being crushed in Gethsemane. And we thank you for your sacrifice on Golgotha. And we thank you that we get to live in Galilee. We thank you for Galilee, Lord. And we thank you for our destiny.